107. Psalms 107. Oftentimes you sit there on the, during the special and try to figure out how you're going to introduce the message and that song introduced it so good that I don't have to introduce it this morning. As a matter of fact, uh, I can show you after the service in my outline, I have the title of that song uh, because I was thinking about it this morning as we wrote down some notes on what the Lord have us to preach on. And uh, what a wonderful segue into this season that we're about to go into, the season of Thanksgiving. And in spite of everything, oh, we have so much to be thankful for today. It's easy to focus on the things that are not what we would desire they be, uh, but we have so much more to thank God for and thank Him for the privilege to be able even to gather via live stream. We're not in the building together, but I'm so thankful we can still gather together. Together. And I was looking a moment ago on my phone how many were already tuning in. And you've already been a blessing to me, knowing that you're out there paying attention. And I want you to just take a moment this morning and smile, all right? The world's going to tell you you got so much to frown about, but we have so many reasons to smile today. And I hope I can help you do that in the message as best I can tell. I'm going to be nice today. And uh, I'm not going to give you something to be mad about as far as I know. I want to encourage you today. And I'll be honest, I had several thoughts on my heart throughout this week. And you're always working in circles on different thoughts the Lord's given you. Some have been weeks in the making, and some he's given you just this week. And you never know exactly, always, you don't always know exactly what the Lord is going to lead you to preach on. And I thought I had it nailed down last night. And I was on the way home from preaching uh, another engagement last night, and I thought I was honing in on it, and this morning woke up, and the Lord kind of gave us direction in a totally different direction on something that had been on our heart very briefly, so this morning it's very much hot off the presses, and I'm just going to share with you my heart today. I don't want to preach at you. Uh, I don't want to discourage you. I want to encourage you today. In Psalms 107, there has uh, three verses here that has a wonderful message to us that I I think is exactly what the Lord would have us to preach on, and it's exactly what we need. Psalms 107. I'm going to let you remain seated wherever you are, uh, unless your name is Macy. I heard uh, from a little bird just a few days ago that I said you can remain seated if you'd like, and Miss Macy decided that she wanted to stand anyway. So Macy, if you are turning in this morning, uh, you're more than welcome to stand. Uh, but for those who don't mind, you're more than welcome to remain seated. Psalms 107, look down to verse number one. We'll read the first three verses, and then we're going to pray. The Bible says, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy, and gathered them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. We're going to focus in on verse number one this morning. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. For his mercy endureth forever. Let's pray. Father, I do thank you for what we just read. And I'm thankful that it's not just something we read, but it's something we can believe because we know that it's true. We know your word is truth. And Lord, I pray we would receive your word this morning as truth. And this is a very familiar passage, and it's a very simple message. But Lord, help us not uh, get lost in something that, Lord, is very evident and very needful right now. And Lord, I pray you would refresh this wonderful truth in our lives today. Refresh it in our hearts today. Help us, Father, to leave this service, this time of gathering together, Lord, with an encouraged heart because of the things that you preserved in your word so many, many years before the events that we're living in right now. 
And I pray to the Lord, if there's one lost that's tuning in today, that, Father, they would put their faith and trust in you, that they could claim these promises for their self. And I thank you for what you've sent. I hope you pray. I pray that you'd help us to preach it in a way that's pleasing to you today, for it's in Jesus' name. Amen. We're about to enter into one of my favorite seasons of the year, and that is this Thanksgiving, Christmas uh, time that we're about to go into. And uh, Thanksgiving should be something that is a season, not just a seasonal thing, but it should be a perpetual thing throughout the year. But it's wonderful that we have this opportunity to set aside a season of our, our year uh, to pay close attention to the things we have to be thankful for. And I think every Thanksgiving, I, I make mention of this, but I think it bears mentioning every Thanksgiving that uh, we're not just thankful for things. It's important to make sure that as we go through this Thanksgiving season that uh, we acknowledge the one that we are thankful to. We're not just thankful for things. We are thankful to the one who has blessed us with so many of the things that we have. And I've done a lot of research, a lot of study and reading on the Thanksgiving holiday, the official holiday, and all throughout our nation's history, even before the actual birth of our nation, we'll find that there were times of Thanksgiving. Uh, I think all of us and our children have at least dressed up like a pilgrim at least one point or another in their, uh, their childhood, celebrating that first Thanksgiving that the pilgrims observed in 1621. And as you'll go throughout the history of our country, you'll find out that Presidents Washington, Adams, and Madison would also declare times of national thanksgiving. But the thanksgiving that we observe at the final Thursday, or the fourth Thursday of, of November, was made official by President Abraham Lincoln. And I want to read part of his proclamation for that first official thanksgiving that we observe today that he made. I'm going to read a portion of it. I want you to listen closely in the words that he spoke declaring this national holiday. He says, I do therefore invite my fellow citizens in every part of the United States and also those who are at sea and those who are sojourning in foreign lands to set apart and observe the last Thursday of November next as a day of thanksgiving and prayer to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. Notice he's not just being thankful for things, he is being thankful to the God who has blessed us with those things. And I recommend to them that while offering up the ascriptions justly do him for such singular deliverances and blessings... They do also with humble penitence for our national perverseness and disobedience. Commend to his tender care all those who have become widows, orphans, mourners, or sufferers in the lamentable civil strife, speaking of the war, in which we are unavoidably engaged, and fervently implore their interposition of the Almighty Hand to heal the wounds of the nation. And to restore it as soon as may be consistent with the divine purposes to full enjoyment of peace, harmony, tranquility, and union. As I read that just this morning, I could not help but think that this could be a proclamation from our president for the United States of America in 2020. As even at this hour, we are going through much civil strife that we are unavoidably engaged in, as he put here. 
And as also he pronounced not only a time of thanksgiving, but penance, where he says, for our national perverseness and disobedience, asking his tender care upon our nation. The irony about this proclamation is the date that President Abraham Lincoln gave it. It was October the 3rd, 1863. Now let that ring a bell for you. October the 3rd, 1863. Not necessarily the month and the day, but the year is what should ring a bell to all of us this morning. Because the year 1863, we were still in the midst of a fierce division in our great country. As a matter of fact, there has not been such a fierce division in our country until now. At October the 3rd, 1863, America was locked in unimaginable division and conflict during the Civil War. And yet during the midst of the Civil War, during the midst of this great division and anarchy and strife and discontent and discord in our nation, our president saw the need to have a time of thanksgiving. Now there are some in history, I read about them just today, who believe that this time of thanksgiving was in celebration for the Union, the Norse victories at Gettysburg. But I don't believe that is the case, for if you know what happened at Gettysburg and you know the character of Abraham Lincoln, there were 51,000 casualties at Gettysburg in that July. Over 8,000 were killed. I don't think our president, if you read behind him and know his character, was celebrating the death of 8,000 of his citizens. During the time of October of 1863, there were draft riots all over America. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Not only was there discord and divisiveness and great conflict in the country because of the war, there were riots all over the country as uh, people were refusing and uh, taking up arms against those who were being drafted into the war for our country. On a personal level, Abraham and Mary Lincoln were grieving the loss of their 11-year-old son, Willie, who had died from typhoid. I don't think President Lincoln is celebrating anything. In October the 3rd of 1863, I believe in his wisdom, Lincoln is shifting the narrative of our nation. This morning as I sat down, I did not know that I'd be preaching this this morning. This was on my heart, but I had not outlined this message. I've been outlining something in John 21 that evidently we're going to preach a little bit later. This morning I got up at 5 o'clock and opened my Bible and began to realize that the Lord was, in fact, going to lead us to preach on Psalms 107 and as quickly as possible begin reading up on this first Thanksgiving and reading up on that proclamation that was given in 1863. And I believe what our president was doing during this time was shifting the narrative. And he looked upon a country that was divided and there was conflict and discord. He pronounces a day of thanksgiving, and I believe what he was doing. He was turning their attention away from their adversity. And he was presenting to them one of the greatest alternatives to grief, and that is gratitude. I want you to let that sink in this morning. The time where a country was divided, we know the story, brother against brother, family against family. Americans taking up arms against their own. We have battlefields not too terribly far from here where you can go and you can see where the cannons were and lives were lost and where our country was just so divided in this conflict and there were riots and there was brokenheartedness all over this country. In the midst of that, our president declares a time of thanksgiving. 
I believe we can learn from that today as he's showing us that in a time of, of, of tremendous grief, one of the greatest salves and balms that we can have for the wounds that we're going through right now is the remedy of gratitude. Now look at America this morning here in 2020. Oh, what great division we have. What great conflict we're going through at this hour and great confusion we have in our country. And it is consuming our nation. It's consuming us. I've never seen anything like what we're going through right now. And I kind of thought after the election everything would go away. And, and now we even have this great conflict and divisiveness in our nation with the whole election. And we don't know what's going on. It just seems like America is consuming itself with the discontent and division and the discord that we're going through. And how ironic, 155 years later, here America sits at this great crossroads of division, and yet I believe once again the prescription that Abraham Lincoln gave our country is the prescription that, he's giving to, that God is giving to us today. I believe that America stands today in great need of some thanksgiving therapy. I believe that's what, what Abraham Lincoln was giving his country. He was giving them thanksgiving therapy. And I believe this morning that thanksgiving can truly only begin amongst God's people. I mean, how can people who are still yet dead in their trespasses and sins and dwelling in darkness and walking in darkness and living in darkness and participating in darkness, how can those people be thankful? How can you be thankful knowing that if they died right then, they're on their way to hell? There's nothing to be thankful for for those who are dead in their trespasses and sins. And yet this morning, here we are, the people of God. We have something to be thankful for. We should be the ones who are leading the way in this whole Thanksgiving therapy. We should be the ones who are taking our gratitude and smearing it over like a precious ointment upon the grief that our country has right now. Because there's anybody who has a reason to be thankful, it ought to be the people of God. And I believe this morning we need some, thank, uh, uh, some reasons and some reminders on all the things we have to be thankful for. This morning, I want to help our church lead the way in this thought of thanksgiving. And so for the next few minutes, we're going to look at Psalms 107. And we're going to focus in on verse number 1 in particular. And we're going to have a little bit of thanksgiving therapy today, all right? We need to find some gratitude in the midst of all of our grief. And I believe there's some very simple truths. Look, you don't even have to be a preacher to pick these out. They are right there in verse number 1. But I believe we need to refresh these truths because I believe they've kind of settled in our hearts and grown stale. So look, if you will, to verse number one. The Bible says, Oh, give thanks. As often as the case, I get ahead of God. About 5.30 this morning, I roll over, 6 o'clock, and I'm, I'm trying to get to what I see is what I think is point number one, and I skip over the very first word, which is really the very first letter of the verse, verse number one in Psalms 107, where it says, Oh, I don't know how it is in your Bible, but in my Bible, it's huge. Every other font's about 11 or 12, and that O is about number 15 or 16. That O is very important. Believe it or not, you know me well. I did a word study on the word O. 
I love words, and I love looking at what they mean, because so often we have a shallow interpretation of words. Here in America, we're very lazy in our language, and sometimes we just overlook things, but I believe every jot and tittle and word and letter in this book is supposed to be there, including that great big old O right at the beginning of verse number one. What's interesting is that word O is like an exclamation point. Now, here's what's interesting. The Lord kind of stirred my heart with this this morning. I couldn't help but smile. It's almost like God is putting the exclamation point at the beginning of this verse instead of the end of the verse because God is so good that he couldn't wait till the end of the verse to put the exclamation point. He's so good, he puts the exclamation point at the beginning of the verse. Now, we know what exclamation points do. They show strong feeling, and we see David's attitude of thanksgiving here. I believe this morning we should be enthusiastic about God's goodness. Why? Because he is indeed good. Now watch closely what happens here. He says, oh, give thanks. Oh, give thanks. Now notice he's not requesting that we give thanks. Notice this is not a request and he's asking us to give thanks. It says, oh, give thanks. It's understood that there's an expectation from God that we, his people, give thanks. It's almost as an understanding. Oh, give thanks. Now I want you to understand something this morning. If we are commanded to give thanks, then evidently we have something to give thanks for. Could we agree with that this morning? The first rule of thanksgiving therapy is this. Number one, we give thanks for what he's given. We give thanks for what he's given. Now, before you turn me off and go to a deeper live stream service somewhere on the social media platform, stick with me just for a minute. Yes, I know you do that. Stick with me just for a minute. If God is saying, oh, give thanks, then we're giving thanks for something that he has given us. Stick with me. Watch this. If there's one thing I know for certain this morning is that God is never going to require of me something that he hasn't or will provide for. Could we agree with that? God is not going to require of me to give him something that he's not going to make sure that he's giving me what he's requiring of me. God's not going to ask me to go and to do something in his power without giving me the power to do it. It's a lot like our faith promise missions. We have in our missions conference, Lord willing, and the earth does not uh, burn up. Uh, If it does, I'm going to be out of here anyway. But our faith promise missions conference, uh, we have a time where we sit down and we pray and we ask God what he would have us give to missions. And because it's faith promise missions, we ask him what he wants us to give. And then we trust him to give us what he has commanded us to give. I don't know how many years my wife and I I've been doing faith promise giving. But every time we get along with God and we ask God what he wants of us, sometimes we don't have it at the time. But we are sure because God makes his will clear, aren't you glad? We are sure that God's going to give us what he's requiring of us. And always, I don't know how many years without fail, God's always blessed. He may be able to give us what we, he's required that we give him. What you think about that this morning? He says here, oh, give thanks. God is expecting that we give him thanks. All throughout Scripture, he requires and commands that we be thankful and that we give thanks. So understand this. God's never going to require something of you that he's not going to make sure he hasn't already provided what you need to give him for what he's asked for. I'll give you an example. It's kind of a comical one. Yesterday, the Lord put on my heart 
to give someone something financial, okay? And it was on my heart. The Lord made it very clear what he wanted me to do. And so I did what most of us do. I pulled out my wallet, and I began to look through my wallet. I'm looking through my wallet, and you'll notice that there's no green stuff in here because I don't normally carry cash. I'm looking through my wallet, and all I see is some receipts that I'm supposed to give Miss Shelley that I haven't done just yet. And that's all that is in there. And I thought to myself, well, Lord, I, I'd be glad to do that, but I don't have what you're burdening me to give that individual. And I says, well, I, I guess I'm just not going to give it because I don't have it. I mean, I just don't carry cash. I use a debit card all the time. I mean, that's just what I do. And as I sat there, the Holy Spirit reminded me of something. The Holy Spirit reminded me that at some time back, I was given a $100 bill that I had squirreled away in one of my hiding places. I'm not going to tell you where it's at because some of the people in the audience this morning are a little bit shifty and I don't want to get jumped before I leave here today. And all of a sudden I remembered that in a secret compartment of my wallet there was exactly what the Lord had put on my heart to give this individual. It already said, Lord, if you give it to me, I, just, I don't have it. It's not in there, Lord. I, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm looking, and all the Holy Spirit. Isn't the Holy Spirit a great memory? He reminded me that, yeah, he had already given me what he wanted me to give somebody else. And look, I did not begrudgingly. I was actually excited about it. I took it out, and I gave that to the individual exactly what God wanted them to have. Wonderful picture of here's God requiring something and God providing for me what he required of me. Here was the problem. The problem was I was looking in the wrong place. It was not where I was looking. It was somewhere else. Now bear with me this morning. If God says, oh, give thanks, we have something to be thankful for. But oftentimes we find ourselves withholding our thanks to God because we're looking in all the wrong places to find things to be thankful for when truthfully if you looked in the right places you would find that God's already given you what he's requiring you give back to him. He's given you so much to be thankful for. I read a quote by Helen Keller this morning. Helen Keller, if anybody had a reason to be grumpy and grouchy and not thankful and yet Helen Keller said this, so much has been given to me that I have no time to ponder that which I don't have. Think about that. Here's Helen Keller with all the physical infirmities that she had. And she says, look, for all that God's blessed me with, I have no time to ponder that which I don't have. Watch this. She wasn't looking at what she didn't have. She was looking in the right place at what she did have. And God had already blessed her with so much, she was spending her time giving thanks. You see, folks, if you just looked in the right places, you'll find that God's already given you what he requires of you to give thanks to him for. God's never going to require something of you that he hasn't already provided for. I think about Jesus when he told his disciples, all these people that are there and they're following and the disciples say, send them away. Send them away. What did Jesus tell them? He says, give them to eat. Give them something to eat. Get those folks some lunch. Uh-oh. Here they pop up and say, Lord, we can't give them what you told us to give them because, Father, we don't have what it takes in order to give them what you want us to give them. And he says, what do you have? They said, we have five loaves and two fishes. He said, that'll do. You see, they had something to give. They were just looking at what they didn't have, and that's why they weren't willing. Folks, this morning, I believe we have so much to be thankful for. And God's going to provide what we need for what he requires of us. 
And if he says to give thanks, then God has already given us everything we need in order to give him the thanks by the way that he deserves. You remember when God told Abraham in Genesis 22, he says, I want you to take your son, your only son, Isaac, and I want you to offer him up on Mount Moriah. God says, I want you to give me your son. As they're walking up this mountain, Isaac looks at his dad and he says, there's the fire and there's the wood. We've got all the supplies that we need for the sacrifice, but where's the lamb? And what did Abraham tell his son Isaac? What a wonderful, wonderful truth. God will provide himself a lamb. Abraham was giving to his young son one of the greatest truths you could give to your child, one of the greatest truths that you need to understand and retain in your heart today is that God will provide himself what he requires of us. If he says, oh, give thanks, we can give thanks even in the midst of 2020. We can find that God has already given us something to be thankful for, and we should give him the due thanks that he deserves. Last night in our family devotions, we were reading a story about Corey Tin Boom. She was in the concentration camp with her sister, and they kept trying to have Bible studies there. And the Germans kept coming in and breaking up their Bible studies, and they couldn't just keep it going, and they desired to keep it going and to keep up morale and encourage everyone. And, and then, lo and behold, they had a flea outbreak in their barracks where they were. The fleas became so numerous, they were biting them and biting them, and they just kept praying that the fleas would go away. But the fleas did not go away. But in the midst of praying that the fleas would go away, they noticed something, that the fleas had gotten so bad that the Germans started staying away from their barracks. And the Germans didn't even want to come to their barracks to run, them, to run them off and to stop their Bible study because the fleas were so numerous. And even in the midst of the fleas, all of a sudden her sister speaks up and says, thank God for the fleas. She found something to be thankful for. Even in the midst of adversity and difficulty, she saw the goodness of God where they were able to continue to have Bible study. Folks, we're living in a world right now that seems infested by fleas. And I promise you, if you'll look hard enough, you'll find God's given you something that you can give back to him in thanks. Some of the most common complaints I hear from Christians, we complain about our jobs. The work is too hard at my job. The pay is too low at my job. You're looking in the wrong place. Why don't you look in the other pocket of your wallet and realize that you have something to be thankful for, and that's called a job. We complain about I'm too busy and I have too much to do and I just, I don't like the burden and I don't like the complications and the gripes and the complaints and all of this and you don't get paid enough and all that. Hey, why don't you thank God that you got something that some people are still praying for? What is that? A job? I know people right now that are just, look, they're cutting back on Christmas. Why? Because the economy... The economy's down. People are losing their jobs. Stores are closing. One of my favorite ice cream stores in West Hattiesburg, that 32 degrees ice cream place, rest his soul, it's closed. People are losing their job, and yet we focus on what we don't have. We're looking, God, I, I don't have a good job. God, I have a stressful job. Instead, you should be looking in that secret pocket and finding you have something to be thankful for to God, that you have a job. Sometimes we look around at our children and maybe they're not what we would desire they be. I'm thankful for my child. She gives me no reason to complain. But sometimes kids are going to be kids, aren't they? We call them strong-willed. I don't know what I'm going to do with them. I know. Look, I talk to some of you privately. I know. I talk you off the ledge sometimes. We talk about our kids and sometimes they get on our nerves. My daughter's thinking right now, what have I done? Nothing. But oh, shouldn't we just be thankful we have kids? 
God's given us kids. You know how many people I know and that I've prayed with personally for years and decades? God give them a kid. God give them a kid. And yet we complain about things in our kids' lives. Let's just be thankful for what God's already given us. We're talking this week about possibly just quarantining our family, you know. I don't want to get out and spread things. I don't think I have anything, but I don't want to get out and spread things. And the possibility of just quarantining in our house for Thanksgiving. We're going to call it a corn turkey, you know, at our house. Going to have to quarantine at our house. Not going to get to go see my mom and dad, my in-laws, which I actually do love, believe it or not. And not going to get to see my brother who's coming down for the first time in two or three years. We're going to have to quarantine in my house with my family. And yet I know so many who will be spending this Thursday alone who through this quarantine have lost their family. And I should just be thankful that I get to spend Thanksgiving with mine. You see, we should be thankful and give thanks for what he's given. If God says give thanks, he's given you something to be thankful for. That's where that O comes in. Oh, I was looking last night at what I didn't have, looking through my wallet. I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. God, I would, but I don't have, I don't have, I don't have. Holy Spirit says, look in the other place. You know what I said? Oh, oh. All of a sudden, everything changed. Look, you're looking at all of what you don't have, but I assure you, look, God's given you a whole lot more to be thankful for than you have not to be thankful for. Look, God's been so good to you and all we focus in on how bad the world's been to us, how bad our job is, how bad our kids are. God's been so good to us. He's already given us to say, enough to say, oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. I read a story about a Scottish minister, Alexander White, and he was always known for being an optimist. I think I would have liked this guy. Every time he would get to the pulpit and he would pray, he would find something to be thankful about. And one morning they came to church and... It was dark clouds, and it was raining, it was gloomy, and it was cold outside, and some of those cold water committee Christians, you know, they like to throw cold, wet blankets on people, says, I bet he doesn't have something to be thankful for today. He came to the pulpit, and he says, we thank thee, O God, that it's not always like this. We thank thee, O God, that it's not always like this. You see, he decided he was going to find what God had already given him, and God had already given him plenty of sunshiny days, and for that he was thankful. That's why David says in Psalms 116, 12, What shall I render unto the Lord for all his benefits toward me? David says, I want to give him something. What is he going to give God? I want to give God based on what he's already given me. What shall I render for all his benefits toward me? The song they sang a while ago, for all he's done. I love the line, I can't help but praise the Lord. For the Christian, we should not be able to help but to praise the Lord. Look, if the world wants to complain every other breath, let them complain. But for the Christian, we can't help but praise the Lord. I mean, after a while, watch this. You start adding up and adding up and adding up all the things God's blessed you with. And after a while, it's going to squeeze an O out of you. You're going to realize, oh, God's been good to me. God's blessed my family. God's blessed my home. I looked at my daughter last night. A 13-year-old daughter and in our family, the young ladies, my mom, my sister, my, some of my nieces, some of my cousins, my grandmother, they all have these heredity diseases. It's in our genetics that are there. Before my daughter was born, I prayed that God would spare her from that. That God would not let her get what's been coming through our family genes for years, these immune diseases. And I looked at my daughter the other night. She's 13 years old, and by the grace of God up until now, I'm thankful that he has spared her from that. 
It's easy to look around and see all the things that are not going right and we don't get to be in church. But look, look in the other pocket of your wallet and you'll realize God's given you so much to be thankful for already. So number one, some Thanksgiving therapy. Let's give thanks for what he's given. I posted on Facebook last night something that broke my heart yesterday. I found out that one of, one of my mentors, James Peters, we called him Doc, uh, went to heaven. If you go to my Facebook page, you'll see a picture of me and him back when I was 16, 17 years old. And just a sold-out servant for God. And he takes teenage guys. We travel the West, Montana, Wyoming, Canada, for three, four weeks every summer. And uh, preached to uh, little Indian kids on the reservations. And he taught us a lot about ministry. One of my mentors. And he later, uh, we called him to Bayou. And he would become our outreach director there at Bayou. And got to spend a couple years with him there. And just, a, just a, an awesome, awesome servant of God. And I got the call yesterday that he had went home to be with the Lord. And I was back in the bedroom by myself. Leslie and Miley were in there getting Christmas decorations up. And I was back there. And man, I couldn't help but begin crying, thinking about all the... Uh, the good times I had with Doc, getting to travel out west, and the people that got saved. I had notes in my first preaching Bible, uh, the little kids that got saved at the Bible schools in Pryor, Montana, and Riverton, Wyoming, and think about the trips to Yellowstone and uh, Mount Rushmore, and places that Doc took us. Oh, just a wonderful time, and then later on to get to be his pastor, to get to go soul-winning with Doc and spend time with him and go to conferences with him. What a blessing it was, and I just had a good cry uh, back there. I'm thankful my wife did not come in. Uh, because it was messy there for a little while. But in the midst of my grief, I began to smile, literally. Because I thought about a man who gave his life. I mean, talking about gave his life. He just lived in borrowed homes and apartments and rooms and dorm rooms his whole life. He just gave his whole life serving God. And I couldn't help but think about yesterday afternoon when Doc took his last breath in this life and entered into the portals of glory. What it must have been like for him. I mean, somebody who gave his life, even friends of mine that served with me and him as teenagers who've gone on to be with the Lord, I'm sure they were waiting on him. And I couldn't help but smile and give thanks to God. Why? Knowing where Doc's at. In the midst of my grief, I found comfort, what? And the gratitude, thankful that my father sent his only begotten son, that not only I could be saved, but that Doc could be saved as well, and that one day I'm going to get to see Doc again and see the blessings of heaven on his life. It's hard to be in the midst of grief when you find something to be grateful for. And David says here in Psalms 107, Oh, give thanks. If God is requiring thanks of us, he's already provided for us for what he's asked for. But then notice what it goes on to say. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Notice these words here. For he is good. The second rule of thanksgiving therapy really shifts its focus from the gifts that God's bestowed to God himself. Notice David says, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. Can I tell you the second thing that you should give thanks for this morning? You should give thanks for who he is. Number one, give thanks for what he's given. But number two, give thanks for what he is. Notice what it says. Give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good. I want you to know something this morning, that in the midst of all that is not good... In our world today, you can be thankful that God is. I'm going to say that again. In the midst of all that is not good, 
Maybe our politics are not good. Maybe our nation's unity is not good. Maybe the spirit in our country is not good. Maybe all that's going on in our families is not good. But can I tell you, you have something to be thankful for. And that thing that you have to be thankful for is the fact that God is good. I can be thankful this morning because of who he is. I look at Job in Job chapter 1 and verse 21. The Bible says this. After he had suffered such a great amount of grief, Job says that naked came I out of my mother's womb. Naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now here's Job in the midst of his grief, unimaginable, unimaginable grief. I've told you before, I don't think any of us will ever, ever, ever come close to experiencing the grief that Job is experiencing at this moment. And he finds the breath, the courage, the fortitude to utter these words at the end of verse 21. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He's praising God. Why? Because look, things in his family weren't good. His children are gone. His wife has turned her back on him. That's not good. His friends are berating him. That's not good. His finances are not good. But he finds a reason to be thankful. Why? Because blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is still good. What amazes me, I mean it amazes me, is we spend most of our time and most of our breath talking about things that are not good. Think about how much of our time in our post we talk about how bad things are. This is going on in our country and the elections being stolen and all of the fraud and all that. I get it. And we should be concerned. But I want you to know something. The world needs to know that there's a God in heaven that he's good. The world already knows that we got problems in our politics. The world already knows that we got division in our country. The world already knows that it's not good. The spirit of our country is not good. So what do they need to know? Well, they need to know there's a God in heaven that he is good. And the only people that can say that are his people. David says, oh, give thanks unto the Lord for he is good. There's a lot of things in this world right now that are not. But I want you to know there's something that is. And that's our God and he is good. Abraham Lincoln Oh, I believe he had divine wisdom. He saw a divided country. I mean, it was just split down the middle. He saw the conflict and all the, the casualties and the, 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 the maimings of those who would lose the limbs in, their, in the fighting. In the midst of all that, he flipped the narrative. He says, we need to have a time of thanksgiving. Let's shift our focus from what is not to what is, and what did he say? He says here, observe the last day of November and prayer to our beneficent Father who dwelleth in the heavens. He goes on to say, to implore him for his tender care. He says, oh, there's an almighty God. He goes at the end of his proclamation. It says, and ask of the almighty hand to heal the wounds of the nation. He, took, he shifted our focus from the division of the land to the goodness of our God. And I believe this morning this is exactly what we need to do. We need to give thanks for who God is. Now hear me out. I don't believe you should 
not be involved in politics. I don't believe you should avoid political conversations. But we need to quit fretting about who the president is and focus on who God is. I don't know, there's a lot we can do. You can call your congressman, you cast your vote. We've done just about everything that we can do. And hey, let's quit focusing on who it is or who it isn't and let's remind the world of who God is. Thanksgiving season, what a wonderful time to show them and to tell them about the God that we serve. Because it's a whole lot better than the one that they're serving today. David says this in Psalms 46. Listen in verse number one. I love this. God is our refuge and strength. Notice what he says, God is. God is. Oh, it's hard to find a refuge and a strength right now. David says, my God is. And I'm going to praise the Lord for who God is. He says, a very present help in trouble. Oh, we're looking for help right now. God help us. We need help from a virus. We need help in our politics. We need help for the division. God help us. And David says, can I tell you something? My God is. My God is. He's a very present help in time of trouble. Therefore, will not we fear Though the earth be removed, talking about going to the, the extremes. Because of who God is, David says, I'm not going to be afraid. Though the earth be removed, and though the mountains be carried in the midst of the sea. We hadn't got there yet, but 2020 is not done yet, is it? We've seen a lot happen, but we haven't seen the earth be removed, or the mountains be cast in the sea. But David says, even if they were, that's something to be thankful for. And that's who God is, because God is our refuge and God is our strength. Though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof. He really sounds depressed, doesn't he? He really sounds down and out. He really sounds like somebody who's crying the blues. He really sounds like somebody that I don't want to be around. No, he sounds like an optimist. He sounds like somebody that's encouraged. He sounds like somebody with strength. Why? Not because of who he is, not because of what's going on, but because of who God is. He says, God is our refuge. Quit focusing on what's not and focus on what God is. David says, give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Our problem today is simply this. We don't know or we don't really know who God is. Imagine, look... We know the ins and outs of what went right and what went wrong in this election. Why? Because we keep our nose stuffed in this thing. And we're reading about all the conspiracy theories and the Illuminati and all of these things. And we know it. And I know what's going on in Dominion and how they're stealing this and the big reset and all of that. I'm not saying it's not real. All right? But what I am saying is, that's why you don't have any joy or peace in your life, because you know that better than you know your God. If you just get to know your God a little bit better, you'll find out that he's way bigger than whoever dominion is. He's way bigger than social media and Facebook and all these guys who try to subvert the vote. He's bigger than all of that. But the problem is, we know those things better, and we know our problems better than we know our God. David says, give thanks unto the Lord for he is. He didn't say, he might be. I fear that's why we don't have much courage and we don't have much strength and we don't have much peace. It's because we don't know God as well as David knew God. Perhaps that's why we're going through what we're going through right now. David said in Psalm 73, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart. What did he say? My flesh and my heart faileth. Look, my flesh and my heart fails when I read that too. That's why I try not to read much of it. That's why David says, God is 
the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Everything that this world isn't, I want to assure you this morning, God is. And you should be thankful for that. The world is inconsistent. God is consistent. The world's not a place of peace. God is a God of peace. He sent his son, the very prince of peace. That's who our God is. If you just get to know him a little better, turn the television off, get in the word of God, find out who God is. Why? Because when you're unthankful, when you walk around doom and gloom, as I say often, like a mule step in your face, oh, what a horrible testimony that is of who your God is. Is that all your God could do for you? I mean, your God couldn't even muster a smile. Look, if that's all your God could do for you, then I don't want nothing to do with your God. That's what the world is saying. That, hey, we ought to be people that are ready to give an answer of the hope that is in us. How do they know there's hope in us? They can tell. We're people of hope. That's what our Christmas, uh, our Christmas series is going to be all about. It's about hope. And we have hope not because of who we are. We have hope because of who he is. And if we just get to know him a little bit better, you'll find that you know it's going to be all right one way or the other. Or else, here's the alternative before I give you the last thing. In Romans chapter 1, we read about a pagan society. The Bible says they were pagan, and here's what led toward it. Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful. Did you hear that? Here's this pagan society who's corrupted and perverted who God is. And what was one of the things that led to that? Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. Watch this. If you don't recognize who gave the blessings and the goodness and the power, then all of a sudden you became vain in thinking it was all because of you. And old pride goeth before destruction. So number two, the second step in thanksgiving therapy is give thanks for who he is. Don't complain about who the world is. Give thanks for who God is. And then finally, notice what it says. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Oh, there's a very important word at the end of verse number one. For his mercy endureth forever. David is giving thanks for mercy. Now, what is mercy? Mercy, I'll never forget. Somebody taught me this years ago. I remember the two G's. Grace is when God gives what we don't deserve. Grace is when God gives what we don't deserve. But mercy, you have the M and the W. That's the way my brain, my weird brain remembers it. Mercy is when God withholds something you do deserve. David says, I'm giving thanks for what God's given. I'm giving thanks for who God is. The third rule of thanksgiving therapy, he's giving thanks for what he hasn't given. He's giving thanks for what he hasn't given. Now, folks, look, it's easy for us to sit around our home right now. You're sitting in your home. You're sitting somewhere. I hope you're sitting somewhere watching this. And it's easy to look around our homes and our houses and our wallets and see what we don't have. And we'll start adding it up. I don't have a 60-inch. I have a 32-inch. I don't have a 60-inch. I don't have cable. Maybe you have rabbit ears, you know. You look around the room. And you don't have one of those big KitchenAid blenders in your kitchen. You have one of those small plastic, you know, Hamilton Beach blenders. And you start adding up all what you don't have. In our haste to add up all the things we don't have, we never consider the negative. And what David is thanking God for is the things which God has withheld that he did deserve. You see, mercy is when God withholds from us those negative things that we do deserve. 
And David says, I'm giving thanks for the things God has not given me. Give an example, 1 Peter 1, verse 3, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Notice, the Bible says in 1 Peter that God is a merciful, abundantly merciful God. And he withheld from us what we deserve. What do we deserve? To die and go to hell. We deserve to spend eternity in hell, separated from God. That's what we deserved. And God held that back. And what do we have now? Because of Christ and our faith in him, he's begotten us again into a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Can I tell you something that you've got to be thankful for today? Be thankful for his mercy. For all the times we deserved something negative, and yet God withheld it from us. One of my favorite verses, it should be my life's verse, is Lamentations 3.22. The Bible says, it is of the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. I see the children of Israel, every time I read that, I see the children of Israel walking through the midst of the Red Sea. On the left side, a wall of water. That's one of those things I hope they get to play back when we get to heaven. I want to watch that. God can do that. Wall of water on the left, wall of water on the right, and they're walking through on dry land. And it was the hands of God that were holding that back, letting them pass through. Oh, they're whining and murmuring in disobedience. Oh, look, we deserve to be consumed just like them. And yet God held back that wall. You know what that is? That's God's mercy. God holding back what we do deserve. Remember, I believe it was in uh, Exodus 32, where God's fixing to destroy the children of Israel because they're disobedience, and Moses goes up and he begs God not to. And the Bible says that God repented of the evil that he thought to do to them. God held back. I mean, they deserved it. They had it coming just like you and I do. God held it back. You know what that is? That's mercy. And David says, oh, I've got something to be thankful for. I'm thankful for what God's given me. I'm thankful for who God is. But I'm thankful for what God hasn't given me. How often are we quick to count the riches that we don't have? And yet in that list of the things we don't have, we don't count the rejection that we should have. We should be rejected of God. God should not listen to us pray. God should not hear our plea. God should not answer our prayer for salvation. God should not have sent Christ to die for us. We should be rejected of God. And yet I stand, watch this, accepted, not condemned. Why? Because of his mercy. God didn't give me what I deserve. And oh, this morning, you may look around your home, you may look in your bank account, you may look around your life and be able to give you a huge, long grocery list of things you don't have that you think you deserve But you better give thanks to God for his mercy for holding back so many of the things we do deserve. And he's been good to us. Ezra 9, listen to this verse, verse 13. And after all that has come upon us for our evil deeds, and for our great trespass, seeing that thou, our God, hast punished us less than our iniquities deserve. That's mercy. I want to thank God. I wonder how many times the Red Sea should have crashed in on my life. How many times in the midst of presumptuous sin in my life, God should have just pulled his hand back and let it crash in on my life and destroy. I'd not be preaching today. I'd have the wonderful wife that I have. 
not being a pastor of this church. Oh, there's no reason I should be here getting to do what I get to do. But it's because of his mercy that he held back what I deserve so often. And when we count this morning all the things we don't have, let's be sure to put on the list, I don't have the rejection that I should have. I don't have the condemnation that I should have. I don't have the chastisement that I should have. Why? Because I serve a God that has mercy that endureth forever. David says, For thou art good and ready to forgive and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. Have you ever had your prayer time? And I'm almost done, but you're at home, most of you are, and you're getting to sit in a soft recliner, so I get to go a little bit longer today, okay? And nobody's in the nursery, so I don't have to worry about the nursery workers getting mad at me. Have you ever been having your prayer time and you sit down to pray? And you don't even feel like you are worthy to ask God for anything. How can I ask your blessings on my family today? How can I ask you to answer this request in my life today? How can I ask for your power today? How can I do that? I don't deserve that. I deserve all of the trouble and pain that should be coming to me. And yet I find, as David says, he's plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon him. And we find, as the scripture says, that his mercies are made new every day. You ever, I was thinking about this last night. This may never happen to anybody else, but it's happened to me many times. You ever been drinking a cup of coffee and you had this, you had this thought that you still have another sip left. You had that last sip left. And, uh, you know, you've got your taste buds measured out for one more good sip. And you go to the cup, you pick up the cup, and it's gone. You miscalculate it. Or either your wife or your daughter drink your coffee, one or the other. You realize the cup is empty. Oh, I was holding out for just one more good, just a, like the cherry on top, that last sip of coffee, and you look down and it's gone. And you have to go make another cup, which I don't mind doing that either. I think about mercy that way. How often I just think, surely, God, I need you to pour out some more mercy on my life today. And you're thinking, there's no way. After the day I had yesterday, After I rejected him, after I didn't witness when I was supposed to witness, I didn't spend time with him and his word, I didn't walk with him, oh, I'm sure I emptied the cup yesterday and there's nothing left in there for me. Oh, my goodness. And you go back. You find out not only is the cup not empty, but he's filled it up again. He's made those mercies new again. And you may be living in a cardboard box without a dollar to your name, and yet you're rich in mercy because God is good and his mercy endures forever. Folks, we have so much to be thankful for today. It's easy to focus on our world and what's going on in our world, but I assure you God's given you something to be thankful for. We can be thankful for what God's already given us. We can be thankful for who he is and be thankful for what he has not given us and what we're doing without that we should be dealing with. I'll close with this story. Out of Budapest, a man went to his preacher and said, Preacher, we're in trouble. He says, it's me, my wife, and nine children living in a one-room house, and it's getting unbearable. I don't know what to do. The preacher says, well, here's what you need to do. I want you to go buy a goat. He says, excuse me? He says, go buy a goat. He says, then I want you to take that goat and I want you to bring it in the house with you, your wife, and your nine children. 
God says, what are you talking about? There's not enough room for all nine of us. And you want us to bring in a stinking goat? He says, yeah, just do what I tell you, all right? So the guy goes and he buys a goat, brings the goat in the house, and the goat lives with them for several days. And finally, the man comes back to his preacher. He says, look, we're about to kill each other. Wife, nine kids, stinking goat. We gotta, we got, something's got to give. The preacher says, okay, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go home, and I want you to kick the goat out, and I want you to come back in a week, and let's see how things are. After about a week, man comes back, big smile on his face, so excited, so happy. He says, what happened? Did you build another room on your house? He says, no. He said, it's still me and my wife and the nine kids. He says, well, why are you so happy? He says, we don't have the goat anymore. He said, things are so good in our house. He says, but the kids are still there. He said, I know, but the goat is gone. He says, had the goat being gone, hey, that's good enough. Man, everything's going just fine in our house. You see, sometimes you've got to focus on what's not there instead of focusing on what you think you should have. And as bad as your life may get and as crowded as your life may get with you and your nine kids and as troublesome as it may be and as conflicted as it may be, I'm thankful today that because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me, that goat is gone. And it may get tough sometimes, but I'm thankful it's not what it could be. All because I serve a God who is rich in mercy. He's taken away what I do deserve. This morning, our country is divided. Our country is in a conflict. We're as divided as we were on October the 3rd, 1863, on that first Thanksgiving proclamation. And I believe we should follow the wisdom of Abraham Lincoln and follow the inspiration of David and have a little Thanksgiving therapy today. Give thanks for what God's given us. If he says give thanks, you have something to be thankful for because he's not going to request or require of you something that he's not made sure you already have. Are you looking in the wrong places? God, I don't have anything to be thankful for. Keep looking. I'll promise you there's something there. Maybe this morning you can just be thankful for who God is. Everything the world is not this morning, God is. He is our refuge and strength. Be thankful for who the God you serve is. And at the very least, be thankful for what he hasn't given you. He's been merciful and withheld all that we deserve. And he's blessed us. As David said, he's loadeth us with benefits. This morning, I think we, if anybody on this planet, we, the people of God, have a reason to be thankful. And what a testimony right now in the midst of all of our grief, a little gratitude toward God would be. This morning, I want to ask you to bow your heads, close your eyes, wherever you may be.